0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Ian Harditz. We are breaking down day four, day five of free agency. I've kind of lost track at this point. Joined as always, PFF's own Dwayne the Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, this is our fourth podcast together since the week started. Does your family hate me yet?
1: Uh, no, they just they hate me. Um, <laughs> but no, they still love you, Ian. Nobody can nobody can hate Ian. Like I think my hair has gotten surprised. higher each day.
0: <laughs> kind of
1: high there, Ian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I got a buzz cut in eighth grade and all of a sudden like uh, you know people like were more interested in talking to me I guess I didn't have a dumbass like bowl cut anymore so I just kept <laughs> rocking it for the next uh, like 20 years since I don't want to get away from it, man it's just uh, it's too risky stick with what you know. But enough hair talk to win. We are not hairdressers most of the time. Let's go through some of the biggest news in the past few days. And really just it starts off with Devontae freaking Adams joining the Las Vegas Raiders. So this is one of those things where I think maybe the real life uh, ramifications are being put a little bit out of what's the right word? They're being, people are, Packers fans are maybe freaking out a little bit too much. I understand at first when we weren't sure if Aaron Rodgers knew what was going on, and then it was like, oh my God, like, he did know what was going on. Wow, did he ever come back? Adams does turn 30. They tried to give him as much, he turns 30 in December. They tried to give him more money than the Raiders were offering, but Adams wanted to go play with Carr, so That was a lifelong dream to go play with the Raiders. And if you look at the Packers, man, like, I, I think we already saw the best, Best possible version that Rogers and Adams could be together. Like, I don't know how they are getting much uh, you know, topping what they've done over the past two years. We saw in the playoffs the whole Alan Lazard thing. Packers are seven and zero without the services of Adams under Matt LaFleur. From a real life perspective, I understand why the Packers went ahead and didn't sign Adams to 140 plus million dollars. We still have a lot of good receivers in free agency, the draft. We can, you know, make fun of the current uh, Packers wide receiver depth chart all we want, but it's going to look awfully different by the time Week One comes along. I could see it as a, you know, not. Not better. Every offense in the league is better with Devontae Adams on it. But if it forces Rodgers to play a little bit more within the offense, maybe it will be a net positive for the overall Packers offense. So That's kind of like my real-life takeaway on the the, uh, matter. Obviously, the Raiders are looking much better, much more prolific on offense with Devontae Adams. But, Dwayne, we are a fantasy podcast after all. How far do you think Adams kind of falls down from being, I guess, the consensus wide receiver two behind only Cooper Cup to now – I still think he's someone that will be going in the top five, six receivers. With that said, more crowded offense, new QB, albeit they played together at Fresno State. Where was your initial re-ranking of Devontae Adams ahead of 2022?
1: Yeah, that's what I was working on this morning. Um, I could only move him down one spot. I had him at four. So I had Cooper Cup one, Justin Jefferson two, Jamar Chase three, and I had Devontae Adams four. So in what I will resubmit after this show to our editor, to our editing team, Will be Devontae Adams at five. And I think, you know, when I look at it, it's just hard, Ian. Like, can you tell me what your thoughts are? Like, once you get to the name Debo Samuel, Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, Jalen Waddle, C D Lamb, T. Higgins, DK Metcalf, like. I just I don't think people are going to click on those names over Devontae Adams still. No, I think you I could easily see people say, all right, I'll go ahead and go with Tyreek Hill. He's got Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to go with him over Devontae Adams. Maybe Adams loses 3 or 4% of his target share, making a switch right from the Packers over to the Raiders because they do have Waller. They've got Renfro. Suddenly, we'll talk about Carr in a minute, but he's got three really good weapons that he can work with. But I think when I get to that group of names, I'm like, I think Adams still belongs above those. So has his value taken a hit? Yeah, it's taken a little bit of a hit. I think, you know, you lose some of the upside. You know, we know that Aaron Rodgers obviously carries a big upside as far as touchdown passes. Not to say Derek Carr can never do it, but I think that's the biggest spot that's going to hurt Adams. Is just, you know, does he have the potential? You know, every before it was like, hey, we know he could score 15 to 20 touchdowns. I don't think that's on the table anymore. But when I look at the rest of these names, I think they all have flaws. And so I think Adams, whenever it comes down to it, he's not going to fall very far just because – of the way these tiers work and the way and where the breaks are in them. So my gut says that he's still going to be, to your point, a top five wide receiver, probably going to go at the end of the first round, maybe slides into the early second round, you know, sometimes. And occasionally you might see people say, I'm going to take Debo Samuel over. I'm going to take Stefan Diggs, but I don't see like this industry wide or fantasy draft wide consensus where all of a sudden Devonte Adams is going to be just mixed in with all those other names. I think most typically he'll still go ahead of that group.
0: It's he's in that spot. If you want to rank him four, three, six, I I think there's a reasonable case to be made uh, with it. Really anywhere there now, Dwayne. You know we've talked about this a lot more in the lead up to fantasy drafts, but first round, first couple rounds of drafts, like these are the types of questions I think most analysts are going to be pouring over for the next. Five months. It's probably going. You know, the ADP, I guess, is going to even out to a point that we all kind of feel pretty confident about it. I think where we can really get an edge is looking later in the draft of some of the other situations that aren't being paid attention to quite as much, and those are the players that are impacted by this trade. It's tough to have too many takeaways about the Packers right now. Again, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is still a free agent. Equinemius St. Brown just took his talents elsewhere. They restructured Randall Cobb's contract. They are going to add potentially like three or four new receivers to the team we will talk about them when they are finally in town and what that means for Aaron Rodgers as well from the Raiders though Dwayne this is not good for Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro Darren Waller was someone that you know we were all about taking as a top three down pick last year injuries didn't help us get that second half bounce back we were hoping for but He's a great receiving tight end. I get that. The man had 19 freaking targets in week one. We were picking him as high as we were because of his opportunity and really expectation, at least last year, that he would be the offense's fairly undisputed number one pass game option. Only a couple tight ends in the league even had the chance to get there. You throw him Waller's obvious receiving talent and it just made him, you know, a prime fantasy pick. Now. He's going to be the number two, maybe number three option inside of his own offense. He's also about to hit the 30 years of age mark pretty soon. And we got Hunter Renfro also ascending after the best year of his career. I don't exactly think his involvement is going anywhere. We do know with Josh McDaniels now at OC, we're going to see less three wide receiver stuff. So all you Brian stands holding out hope for a 2022 breakout might need to wait a little bit longer. What are kind of, Dwayne, you're like, how big are you? dropping Renfro and Waller because we talked about this yeah adding someone like Devontae Adams it's going to make it easier on Renfro and Waller in terms of not less coverage being devoted to them but in fantasy football we will take the extra volume over a little bit of you know help against certain help coverages
1: yeah I think there's two sides of this right and they they really converge like to create the answer one side is pure like projecting offenses which I honestly haven't even done yet because it's like I don't want to keep redoing it so like once free agency gets done I'm going to do them And then I'll do it again after the draft. So that's what I'm going to be working on over these next few weeks. But, yeah, it's going to hurt Waller a little bit. But then when you look at the context of who he's going around in drafts, right? Right now on underdog, underdog, the number one tight end is Travis Kelsey. Number two is Mark Andrews. Right, That's fine. Kyle Pitts is number three. Waller's four. George Kittle's five. I mean, he's probably still going to, uh, just like what we talked about with Adams, I don't see him, see him falling way down the board. Like, are you suddenly going to take TJ Hawkinson and Dallas Goddard and Dalton Schultz over Waller? I'm not.
0: They're all like, kind of he, in the same, you know. All right, I would still put is, him slightly Waller, above them, yeah. though. Waller, like, I think, is him. out of the top tier. And now he's with these guys. You can say he's at the top of this other tier. I'd probably agree with you. But, yeah, he. I, I don't think he's in the pits Kelsey Andrews discussion anymore.
1: Yeah, so you have, I think Waller and Kittle are their own mini tier. Like, they're two guys that have shown the top, top end, elite tight end production. Now we're going to, you know, and we saw it last year with Kittle, playing with multiple other mouths to feed in their offense. Then I think you get the next tier, which is your Hawkinson, your Goddard, your Schultz. You could even say Gronk is going to belong in the Waller-Kittle tier, tier, right? Once he signs with Tampa, you'll have Waller, Kittle, Gronk. Then I think you get Hawkinson, Goddard, Schultz. Um, you know, we could debate Fryermuth and some of these other guys, but to your point, I think you get a group right below them. Actually, that was probably it. Hawkinson, Goddard, Schultz. Then you probably get another tier that's much bigger with, with Fryermuth, Knox, Fant, Ertz, Gaseki Irv Smith Jr., Okwabunum, Logan Thomas, maybe, and then there's probably a cut line. Aaron
0: Waller versus Rob Gronkowski, Dwayne,
1: who are you taking? Oh, man, I'm going to take Waller but it's really close. You know what? I'm going to mix it up. Like, you know, it's, it's interesting. A lot of folks only do one fantasy team and we have to keep that in mind. Like when we're given our analysis, but like for me personally, you know, I'll have across best ball and redraft. Well, I'm going to do less this year because I don't want to drive myself nuts, but I mean, I'll have 50 (laughs) to 75 teams. So like, I'm going to have a lot of situations where I'm going to flip back and forth between which one I want exposure to. And then of course, ADP is going to play a huge role. Like if Gronk's going three or four rounds after Waller, we're obviously going to have more exposure to Gronk than we are Waller if they're in the same tier. Or we should if we have true convictions about the way we've set our tiers up.
0: Tier one, tight ends, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts. Tier two, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski in one order. I'm happy we got that squared away. I think it feels good. I think it feels good. I think we worked (laughs) through that. (laughs) <laughs> it does feel good i feel let's, like we
1: should have sigmund bloom on like this we should be on the couch oh, like we, we should be working through this with Sigma.
0: Sig, yeah. sig was on here uh not too long ago yeah didn't um, he talk
1: tight ends yeah yeah he has tight
0: ends. Wow. so yeah just anyway. bring him on live yo sig come on this uh, live show we reporting <laughs> please okay let's finish things off with a little bit of talk on hunter renfro who uh, you know after going through Waller, i would now say renfro is probably the bigger loser from the whole ordeal like, Dwayne, we, we know Renfro is fantastic. We can go through, uh, you know, the top receiving grades again, that big list. And Renfro, I believe, was qualifying. Like, he has been nothing short of great in his short career with the Raiders. The problem is, I mean, last year, for him to really take over, he wasn't really doing this the first seven, eight weeks of the year when Henry Ruggs was in the picture. It was a little bit Amon Ross St. Brown-esque who you actually have ranked right next to him in terms of Renfro. Deserves credit for putting up those big numbers, but he only really did so after Ruggs was out of the picture. And then once Waller was hurt for a long period of time as well, we know Devontae is going to be the number one receiver in Las Vegas. You don't pay them in $141 million to be anything other than that. I believe that Derek Carr will have the best season of his career. I do think he can enable multiple fancy relevant pass game options. He is the sort of, you know, high potential high pass volume and at least just a, pocket quarterback it's not going to be you know Trey Lansing um away from the rest of his fancy relevant options <laughs> Trey Lansing yeah we're going to make that a verb this year that's that's how 2022 is going to go <laughs> thoughts on Renfro who you had ranked as the wide receiver 20 before yeah. this went down I think he's you know certainly going to fall from that spot once he get a little bit lower though I do I'm think you know into
1: 37 oh I mean, wow that that's but I mean look it's it's a tier thing, right? I know it comes across as just a number, but you have to start looking at all the receivers that he's going to be around. Like, how do you rank him ahead of? You know a Brandon Cooks who's going to be the number one option on his team, even though it's bad. How do you rank him ahead of Darnell Mooney, number one option on his team, even though they it don't. could be bad? Right? You're going to get more upside out of Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, and their potential landing spots right now. Adam Thielen, we know, is coming back with the Vikings. So I think you're starting to get into the right range here. Thielen's going to be the second or third option on a team with a pretty good quarterback. I think that's what Hunter Renfro is going to be the second or third option on a team with a pretty good quarterback. I like the fact that the Raiders are playing in a division that's going to force them to have to be in shootouts. So I think you're going to see a more pass heavy version of the Raiders. And that's what I'm going to do with, uh, you know, their offense in my projections. But at the same time, it's just hard to your point to see like before I thought there was this real top end upside of 150, 175 targets for Renfro in the Josh McDaniels offense. I think, he's still going to play in a friendly offense. that's going to keep him on the field. But to your point with having Devonte Adams there, I just feel like, you know, there's no way to think he has upside for a 30% target share. He had that before. Now I think he's probably living somewhere between like 18 and 22% is what we're hoping for from a target share standpoint, you know, in an offense that should pass a little more, but that puts him in the realm of where we are here. Like you got Christian Kirk's probably going to be the number one receiver on the Jaguars. Renfro's is probably gonna be the third receiver on a better offense. So I, These aren't exact. These are just, you know, as we work through these, they'll get tighter and tighter and tighter. But I think this is about the range for Renfro. So I'm thinking like if you had to call this a tier, it's really low end
0: wide receiver three. I mean, what do you think? This is actually the exact nice little transition opportunity. here. This is where I kind of determined after writing an article on PFF.com about Allen Robinson's new landing spot signing with the Rams. I'm with you because I kind of had the same thought process when I was going through Robinson, LA. We know Cooper Cup's going to be the guy. We got Woods there. It's possible that Robinson, and we'll talk about the Woods trade rumors and all that, but it is possible as I was going through this yesterday for Robinson to be the number three option more weeks than not in Los Angeles. So yeah. I had the exact same thought process of Darno Mooney, Brandon Cooks. They have to be ahead of them just because of the pure target volume. We can talk about, you know, the rookie wide receivers. They're kind of getting it figured out based on the landing spots. And that takes us to that tier. Adam Thielen, Christian Kirk, Kadarius Tony, Brandon Ayuk, Robert Woods, Chase Claypool, even Tyler Boyd. You know, yeah, there will be guys that we're going to have closer to the top of that tier than the bottom. But that low end wide receiver three range does have a lot of guys that great real life football players just might not have enough volume for us to really prioritize, make a stand on one that much more than the other. But, Dwayne, let's talk about that Allen Robinson deal. I was pretty damn surprised three years, 46 and a half million Hey, not exactly getting, you know, even Mike Williams money at this point, which is a shame. (laughs) Lord knows not Christian Kirk money. Get on your, come on, Alan Robinson's agent. What are you doing out here? Either way, a lot of money to go now be Matthew Stafford's again, maybe number two, maybe number three receiver. The Rams also allegedly still want to bring back OBJ too. So the bigger news, I guess, was after this because the Rams are not really, from what I heard on Twitter, you know, famous last words, uh, but Based on the Robert Woods deal with, you know, the amount of money he has guaranteed with injuries and all that, it's not really a contract they can get out of that easily just by cutting the guy. But per Adam Schefter, Robert Woods is now a prime trade candidate. So not exactly sure if he's going to be back. We don't know how the injury recovery is going. Apparently they still want to bring back OBJ too. Once again, he's dealing with an iffy timeline as well with that injury. So Dwayne, again, if Woods is back, I'm not even so like OBJ is not going to be a factor, I think, for the first couple months of the season recovering from injury. So we can kind of leave him out of the picture for now. If Woods is back, I think Robinson slides right into that tier we were just talking about. If Woods gets traded and now Allen Robinson is Matthew Stafford's fairly undisputed number two receiver, I'm down to bump him up. But how far, Dwayne? That's kind of the question. Because even yeah. then, I don't think we're looking at like a top 24 guy here. No, we're not. Uh, I, I mean,
1: I think he would have potential. We would put his range of outcomes being he could be, you know, um yeah. a solid wide receiver too if Robert Woods is gone. This will by far be the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has ever played. with. Oh, yeah. you know, I it's mean, sad. I think mean, you did a good job in your article. You even you took it a step further. You went all the way back in the college of Penn State. <laughs> Not McGloin, and Christian too. Hackenberg. Yeah, like you got to pull it up and read the list for uh the, the folks I'll just listening on the pod, but yeah, I think Robinson if if Woods is gone, he will be a borderline Uh, Top 24 guy, but I'm with you. I'm still going to have him probably in that next 12 just below, Um, you know, but but acknowledging there's upside. If they are both there, it's just really hard to think of either one of them as anything more than a low end wide receiver three. Could they pay off being more? Yeah, but we know Cooper Cup is the one a almost one a one B. Um, you know, and I don't know if there's I don't know if, you know, I tweeted it out to Alan Robinson. I mean, I'm trying to help him out. Like I heard that lunches are still available on Matthew Stafford's calendar. We know breakfast prime time is gone. Cooper Cup's got those locked down. But uh, I think just too much target competition. And then if OBJ were to come back too, oh, my gosh, like it would just be great for Stafford, great for the Rams, great for real life or at least good. You, you've kind of documented that these things don't always work out. Um, I do think Robinson's a good enough player that he could you know, be someone
0: that actually bucks the trend of what we've seen with some of these high priced free agents. Wide receiver is the one position where we've seen some hits in there, and these are kind of the wide receivers that I'll list that have earned at least thirty million with a new team on the open market since twenty sixteen. Uh, Marvin Jones with the Lions, decent enough career. Mohamed Sanu with the Falcons had some okay times. Pierre Garcon with the Forty Nine ers, not so much. Robert Woods with the Rams, that was a good time. He got hurt last year, but he was putting up numbers. Vincent Jackson with the Bucks, a little late in his career. Kenny appear with the Browns. Sammy Watkins with the Chiefs. Allen Robinson with the Bears, he had a couple good years. In there Paul Richardson with Washington no Tyrell Williams for the Raiders no Golden Tate Giants no Adam Humphreys Titans no Kenny Galladay Giants not so far Corey Davis with the Jets Curtis Samuel with the Washington Commanders remains to be seen so not great but it's the quarterback upgrade my God Dwayne this is why you know okay don't be a slave to your spreadsheet we can't just look at a trend and assume it's going to continue because of what's happened in the past because he finally gets to play with a real-life quarterback Penn State Allen Robinson caught passes from Matt McGloin and Christian Hackenberg. After that, Blake Bortles, Chad Henney, Mitch Trubisky, Chase Daniel, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, and a rookie year version of Justin Fields. That is going to be a sheesh from me. Uh, With Allen Robinson's fancy stock without Robert Woods, it's wild that it's A-Rob, and we're still not really looking at a potential like top 15 year as in his range of outcomes, but I don't think he really has it, Dwayne. If you look at OBJ last year, he did everything we could have hoped for. Like I think the biggest OBJ haters were shocked at how good he was uh, last year. It wasn't all that great for fantasy. Now, he had a great run in the playoffs that obviously we don't get the fantasy finishes for, but if you just look at Beckham in his 10 full games, I'm not counting the first game against the, I think it was the Niners, where he played 15 mm. snaps or whatever. 10 full games, Beckham finished as the PPR wide receiver. 10, 33, 11, 102, 28, 21, and 83. So we're not looking at someone that's going to be having enough volume behind Cup if that's what the Rams are going to do again in 2022. And let's also not act like Allen Robinson has been someone that throughout his career has consistently been a wide receiver one. He's He was before last year a consistent wide receiver, You know, low-end wide receiver one to wide receiver three. But I mean, this was kind of the issue and kind of the reason why i guess i was a little bit lower on robinson last year because like yeah we saw it in 2015 wide receiver eight overall with blake portals in the center that was sick what happened in 2016 Blake Bortles was still under center. Robinson couldn't overcome it, and his fantasy points per game fell from 19 to 12 and a half, finished as just the wide receiver 34. So the fact that from 2014 to 2020, Robinson finished as either the wide receiver eight to wide receiver 35 in points per game, that's great. That's a floor as a wide receiver three. He's not going to be ranked that much lower with the Rams. But yeah, there's only one ball to go around in this offense. We haven't even talked about potential for more run heavy group with Cam Akers. Maybe Tyler Higbee takes a step forward. Just only One ball to go around in LA, but Dwayne, it's a it's a scary ass real life offense. I mean, this is some Madden shit going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think again the real life takeaway and the Matthew Stafford takeaway is this ultimately is going to be good for the Rams offense. But I think you've, I think we've hit it. Like he's going to be a wide receiver three to wide receiver four, um, high end wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. If Woods moves on, if Woods does not move on, you're looking at low end wide receiver three, high end wide receiver four, where you're going to see these spikes and valleys um, because we know that most of the offense is going to continue to run through Cooper Cup. Now you could get some upside if all of a sudden Cooper Cup sustained an injury, then yeah, you could see you know if, if Robinson does have enough left in the tank, he could become the focal point of the offense. But we could say that about a lot of receivers.
0: Yeah, we're not going to start going through uh, what happens if every team's wide receiver 1 uh gets hurt. That would be a conversation for another day maybe never a day Dwayne Deshaun Watson guy in the news everywhere he has eliminated the Panthers and the Browns from contention he is now allegedly just down to the Saints or the Falcons sounds like from reports that this deal is gonna go through the weekend I mean as early as like Tuesday Wednesday this week we were starting to get reports that you know decision could be imminent this afternoon so one of those will believe it when we see it type of deals, Dwayne I'm looking forward to spending some of this uh, weekend, actually all this weekend, from the Sunshine in Las Vegas. You have some fun family things you're going to do down there in Tejas. So what we're going to do next is basically pretend that Watson has gone the Saints, and then he's gone the Falcons, basically covering our bases in the event that he goes to either over the next few days. Great day to be great. Let's look at these two scenarios. And before we get, I guess, into that, this is going to come along with a suspension, seemingly. You do not need to be guilty in the eyes of the court in order to get a suspension from Roger Goodell. We saw this with Tom Brady. We saw this with Ezekiel Elliott. I'm not trying to compare the crimes at hand, but based on what we've seen you know, from smarter people around the industry, Yahoo's uh, Charles Robinson, I believe, was throwing out six games as a potential suspension. I've seen eight. Maybe it's less. Maybe it's more. But we got to realize there is most likely going to be a time. I did of time. see
1: something interesting. I can't remember who I saw. It was just a tweet that I happened to scroll by yesterday of most of the folks that even though, you know, uh, you know, there may not have actually been action taken against them. Like they all, there was some sort of video evidence, right? And with okay. Watson, apparently there isn't any. So like, will that be a factor? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But there was a good list of like all the names, you know, and the video evidence that was there. Um, you know, despite the fact that it didn't head that way from a legal standpoint. So we'll, we'll see. But to your point, like, my guess is there's going to be some sort of suspension, but I guess we have to consider the range of, uh, there is a possibility in the range of outcomes that there's not going to be one. That video evidence part.
0: That was the, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that
1: I want to see any video evidence for
0: Well, but that was the thing uh, with the uh, (laughs) – that's what made the Ray Rice thing so ridiculous at first. He gets the two-game suspension for, you know, allegedly knocking out a girl and then it's like you gave two games for that and then you got the video evidence and now you're you're appalled. Like, hold on. brings things to life though, man. Yeah, it does. It's unfortunate, you know. When you see it. You can't unsee it. (laughs) Happier topics here. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson, the football player. In my opinion, a true top five real-life and fantasy quarterback. Dwayne, if he goes to the Saints, we don't have Sean Payton there, but they basically kept the rest of the band back together. Alvin Kamara, one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. He's got a couple of legal things to figure out himself. We'll keep an eye on that throughout the offseason. Also, Michael Thomas, after taking all of last year off, it does sound like he is coming back much, much closer to 100% in 2022. Should be the first time since 2019 that we get to see can't guard Mike back in action for an entire season. Beyond that, we still have some question marks. You know, the Saints have been really jumping through. A lot of hoops in the salary cap world to get them uh, you know, back in a position to get Watson, hopefully some other players. With that said, Traquan Smith is an unrestricted free agent. I do believe they brought back, not Deontay Harris, Deontay Hardy. Let's not let's remember that he changed his name towards the end of last year. Uh, so it's not exactly the most loaded offense, but damn, Dwayne, it's Deshaun Watson. It's not, you know, he had Hopkins over the years, but... Fuller was hurt a lot of the time. And then his last year, he had Fuller and Brandon Cooks. It's not like Watson is used to working in, you know, what Matthew Stafford is now finding himself uh, in with uh, Los Angeles. You know, he's never had like three or four high-end receivers running all over the place. He's largely made the most of, I, I believe, average to above-average offenses. So if Deshaun Watson lands on the Saints' Potential suspension aside, like that's this is for um, so we can compare him more straight up to the players and not get into, you know, oh, what do we make of 75% of Deshaun Watson? Suspension aside, where do you think Deshaun Watson kind of goes into the fantasy quarterback hierarchy if he becomes a member of the New Orleans Saints?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough to just say with suspension aside. If, but if there, if we knew that there wasn't a suspension, like he's right. in the top five, yeah. like he's in the top five, period. Like you could make an argument that he's in the top three. Um, you know, I would have Josh Allens and Patrick Mahomes, and then you probably have Deshaun Watson ahead of Kyler Murray. And then you would have Justin Herbert, you know, Lamar Jackson. Those guys would all be, you know, in the picture. Then you get to your next group, right, which are really more your your passers that have the big passing upside but don't have the legs. So I think Deshaun Watson firmly fits in that top conversation. You know, I think people could even make an argument that he's the number two, you know, I mean, given, given what he's done, but definitely in the top five. When you have to account for the fact that there could be some sort of a suspension, I think you just have to have him in your top twelve. You know, I mean you may have him just slightly outside of that, you may have him slightly inside of that, but right now at ADP, and it's gonna be shooting upward, right? It was 113 as of like Wednesday on underdog. Um, so he was the 14th quarterback off the board. We know that's gonna be going up, but I could I could make an argument that once you get to Lamar Jackson, right? And let's say you let Brady and Burrow and some of these other guys go, we know Aaron Rodgers is probably going to fall a little bit, but I think that would kind of be the spot. You know, once Brady and Burrow go, like you might be willing to go ahead and just pull the trigger on Watson right there ahead of Prescott, ahead of Hurts, ahead of Russ Wilson, Matthew Stafford, Trey Lance, all those guys.
0: Especially, and I know I said we're not going to worry about the suspension, but if it is going to be of a somewhat shorter length and you're just in a traditional one QB redraft league, there's enough guys to get you through these first few weeks of the year. You know We don't have the early season schedules yet, but last year I couldn't go more than the podcast without screaming at all of you to go get Kirk Cousins just for the first five, six weeks of the year. That was to hopefully get us on a bridge long enough to get Trey Lance or Justin Fields under center. I know the second half of that didn't exactly work out the way we were planning, but Cousins was terrorizing some of those opponents on the early part of his schedule. I think there's more yeah, than some enough- easy ones,
1: Ian, and we don't know the schedule your point, but they would fit that bill. Carr is going... 17 might move yep. up a little bit cousins going fifth QB 15 Ryan Tannehill going QB 18 I think those are all guys that you really know what they are and you know they're not going to be great but they're not going to be terrible but once you get past that you get into a tier of really you're swinging for upside so it's probably not the right strategy like if you're going to go with Deshaun Watson because you get into Trevor Lawrence you get into young guys like Mac Jones Mitch Trubisky you know who can run but now we'll have the weapons Malik Willis who can run those sort of guys. But I think you get a pretty safe little spot there between Carr, Cousins, and Tannehill. You could easily say for the first four weeks I roll with one of those guys. I know what I'm going to get for the most part, and then I'm switching to Deshaun Watson. Like I think you could easily pull off a strategy like that.
0: 17 game projection. I don't know how you could rank him lower than sixth. I mean, Allen, Mahomes, Kyler, Herbert, Jackson. I'm with you. I think I would probably rank him QB three out of that group. Uh, that certainly would be the top tier, one A, one B tier, however you want to call it. Because I mean, my goodness, 2017, Watson's first year, 24.1 fantasy points per game, number one among all qualified quarterbacks. 2018, tied for fourth. 2019, third. 2020, he fell to six, but it was actually more fantasy points than he had the previous two years it was just kind of like a big year for fancy quarterbacks in 2020 nfl history dwayne 22 fancy points per game third highest mark ever behind only patrick mahomes and justin herbert look at your real life stats pff passing grade he's eight since entering the league qb rating fourth yards per attempt second the guy is an absolute stud on the football field what would this now mean for our Alvin Kamaras and our Michael Thomases of the world? We've talked about, you know, the impact that mobile quarterbacks can have on running backs uh, at length. With that said, Alvin Kamara as the focal point of the Saints offense. I mean, we saw last year they were giving him this kind of new 20-plus carry role uh, really before he was getting banged up there in the middle of the year. And I just think that enough of it could be designed in an offense without a bunch of pass catchers that, you know, we'll we'll, we'll take that extra scoring upside we're getting with Deshaun under center uh, and not worried too much about maybe five fewer targets for Kamara on the year so I think Kamara is someone that is right there in the top five running back conversation Michael Thomas Dwayne comes back into wide receiver one territory because Michael Thomas is one of the few receivers that we've actually seen not have his guy under center and still put up big numbers we saw him break the freaking reception record with Drew Brees but then Breeze gets hurt the next year. Or no? It was during that year. He, he broke it with Breeze and also Teddy Bridgewater, who, you know, if you're a Denver Broncos fantasy fan, I think you kind of saw not necessarily the easiest thing to put up big numbers with Teddy under center. And the next year, he puts up multiple 100-yard games with Taysom Hill. Michael Thomas, where would you rank him with Deshaun Watson under center, Dwayne?
1: Yeah, with Thomas, is tough just because it's been two years. You know, we just don't know for sure. But, I mean, if you look at him, he should probably, if you were looking at the like the rosy picture I would easily think as a 30 year old receiver, you could rank him with the other 30 year old receivers, Deandre Hopkins, Keenan Allen. Like I, I feel like that yeah. really is the range. If you wanted to get aggressive with Michael Thomas, the cool thing is I don't think you're going to have to do that. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. if Deshaun Watson signs there, I think Michael Thomas will continue because, I mean, I just, you know, I'll throw things out there randomly on Twitter a lot of times just to kind of see how people react, like kind of get the gauge of where, you know, the the sentiment around the industry is. And, you know, it was real. The responses were littered with just will never happen. Never happen Hadn't played in two years. Never happened. Never happened. So I think you're going to continue to get a discount on Michael Thomas. And I do believe that he has a range of outcomes, Ian, that could be, in the top 12 wide receivers, right? Devontae Adams is a 30-year-old receiver, you know, and he had target shares, similar role to Michael Thomas. He's just been healthy. So looking at the rest of the Saints' options, like Marquez Callaway, we tried that last year, didn't really work. I mean, I think he could end up being, you know, better with, you know, Watson. But then to your point, you've got really Alvin Kamara is the, is the other option. I just – if those two guys, as long as they're healthy, they're going to be the two getting the most targets. Obviously, other things could happen with the offense – But I don't see any names that would be coming in that would probably make me just be like, oh, wow, like that just that just preempted what I thought of Michael Thomas. So I'm honestly struggling a little bit trying to figure out, like, what I'm going to do with Thomas. I'm thinking through it ahead of time. So, like, when the news breaks, like, where where does he go?
0: But I think I am
1: going to get him inside my top 24. I think I think you have to. And I think you have to be willing to be a little bit more aggressive. I know he's 30. Um, Dynasty, you would treat this differently. This is truly, you know, us just talking redraft. But I think I'm going to have to find a way just to get him inside that top 24 to make sure that when he does slide in drafts, that people are going to go ahead and take a stab right now on underdog. He's going 26. So I don't know how much that's really going to help help people, you know, as far as, you know, trying to be a little more aggressive with Michael Thomas. I may have to think about do I rank him a little bit higher than that, Um, because he is a name that I think that you're going to want to have some good exposure to at
0: his current draft capital. Save me the slant boy slander. Let's get a quarterback that can throw the ball further than 30 yards downfield. Maybe Michael Thomas going into last year had caught 33 of 36 catchable targets on at least 20 yards downfield. Fourth highest mark among 64 qualified receivers since 2016. He catches a shit ton of slants. Nobody is debating that. He's awesome on slants. He's also pretty good on the other stuff. (laughs) I care, Dwayne. He's a former Buckeye. I got to root for my friend. Well, yeah,
1: but I mean, being good at slants is not bad. Like slants and hook, you know, uh, you know, hitch routes are the two most popular routes in the NFL. So it's not like it's bad being good at them.
0: Let's let's start. Let's start making fun of Steph Curry for only shooting threes. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Like, so let's do a little quick thing here, Ian. So, like, I'm going to give you a name and then you tell me. Uh, and we'll start lower, right? And you tell me if you would like Michael Thomas over this player. These are really? players that I have ahead of him in the ranks right now. Mike Williams. Give me Michael Thomas. Me too. Devonta Smith. Michael Thomas. Me too. Amari Cooper. Michael Thomas. <laughs> Jerry Judy. Michael Thomas. You're probably thinking, Dwayne, your lifts is just bad. Marquise Brown.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Thomas, man.
1: Yeah. Michael Pittman. Thomas and we got to see quarterback. Quarterback play. does matter for the Colts. Like if all of a sudden they end up with Matt Ryan, yeah, and for Cooper as well, yes. So I think we're kind of getting in the range. So we're at wide receiver twenty-two now. Chris Godwin. Ooh, I think Godwin should be uh,
0: well. Godwin with
1: the injury. Godwin's the injury thing. If he wasn't, if he wasn't dealing with the injury, he'd be more like wide receiver fifteen. Terry McLaurin.
0: With Wentz, my God, Uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I think we're probably around
1: here getting in the range. I agree, but I think you know we could also we could make arguments either way about the upside, right? Of these players, I know Michael Thomas is older, but we shouldn't always just equate upside to age. If you do, you're going to miss on players like Cooper Cup last year. I mean, he was 29, or he's 28 years old, and all of a sudden he blew up and he was the wide receiver one. So, upside doesn't always just associate. You know, with a player being younger, if you can get a good draft price, right, that's what the market is ADP on a player that's older, but still has upside. I think Michael Thomas fits that description pretty well. You are taking on risk because of the injury, but that's why you're getting him for less. (laughs) And that's why he has the upside. Like it it all goes, it all meshes together um, to when you really just talk, kind, of, kind of take a step back and think about what's your strategy, how are you trying to find, you know, that asymmetrical upside based on ADP. And I think Michael Thomas is in the conversation.
0: It does seem awfully convenient that will Fuller hasn't signed anywhere yet. Maybe a package mm-hmm. deal of sorts. Oh, and yeah. my God, like Fuller has that field stretching ability that truly makes all 32 offenses better. Like a Fuller comes there I'm booming Fuller up the ranks, but I don't even think that would necessarily impact Michael Thomas or, as we're about to talk about, Kyle Pitts all that much. That would help.
1: That would help Michael Thomas. Exactly. You know, uh, we know Michael Thomas is still going to probably be the guy that gets peppered with the most targets, but just given the field stretcher, you know, to make the things underneath for Kamara and for Thomas work better. And then also giving, you know, that big play upside will fuller would carry his own value but to your point i don't think it would come at the detriment like or at the cost of my they
0: still need to add wide receivers it's like what we talked about with the monra st brown like yeah dj Chark can go in and maybe do his own thing but like they need to add guys the fact they added a player like Chark is good for monra st brown a player like fuller will be good for michael thomas Let's look at the Falcons side of things. You know, Deshaun does have the hometown vibes going with Atlanta, former ball boy, the whole nine yards similar to Green Bay and kind of New Orleans. Like, yeah, we can talk shit about the Falcons wide receiver room for the moment. I think we're all well aware they are going to make some major moves in the free, rest of free agency and throughout the draft there. With that said, it is pretty gross. You know, I I, I hope a little, Alamide Zacchaeus is not going to be in three wide receiver sets when the season starts. We will see. For right now Dwayne it's really just the only guy we can talk about is Kyle Pitts we already have him as tight end three I mean I'm not leaping him ahead of Kelsey or Andrews if the Watson goes there I would feel a lot better like maybe he just moves up kind of on the overall ADP not so much as position would you just be expecting the moon for Kyle Pitts with Watson or are we just kind of looking at it and it's like hey he's gonna get force-fed targets because there's no one else to throw the ball to in Atlanta
1: Yeah. I don't know that Deshaun Watson like makes a huge difference for Kyle Pitts. Like Kyle Pitts is the only game in town. He's a young ascending talent. Yes. We like Deshaun Watson better than Matt Ryan, but Matt Ryan's a functional quarterback. Like he can get the ball to Kyle Pitts. (laughs) So I I don't think it should have the impact that it may. Um, I think you will see certain folks making a stand and they're going to take Kyle Pitts number one overall at the position in their drafts. I I think you're definitely going to see that. And so I think, most likely the Deshaun Watson, um, thing is going to have, you know, probably, you know, not a huge impact on where Pitts is going, but I think it will, like I said, it'll cause people more people to take that chance and just take him as number one and which I'm fine with. I think he belongs in the tier with Andrews, Kelsey. I think you just got to go ahead and put Pitts in there. If you want to draw a mini line in the tier after Kelsey, I get it. You could do that. And then you have Pitts in a tier of his own. Then you get Waller and Kittle and the other guys that we talked about behind them. Um, but at the end of the day, like for me, it's not a huge thing for me with Pitts, with Watson. I think it's going to be more just like people think that. Like we've we've done the studies on how good a quarterback has to be to truly impact, you know, the receivers and tight ends. Right. Like they have to be top, top notch elite or way at the very bottom terrible to make a huge difference for the guys we're throwing through. Really, everything in between doesn't move the needle that much for fantasy receivers and tight ends
0: are we even moving the needle much on Watson's personal rank versus for saints versus Falcons? Like I, I I agree. I think that slightly better for saints, I think, but not slightly better at this moment in time, but it could easily swing based on the rest of free agency.
1: For sure. For sure. Why why do we even do these shows?
0: Why? I I don't know. Why do we do them? I don't know.
1: Because every time you put anything out there, it's like, yeah, but all this could happen. You're like, yeah, I know. Like, we'll, we'll have to figure that out when it gets here, but no, to your point, like right now, give slight edge to the saints. But Falcons
0: could easily swing that if they get Watson and then they go make some other moves let's just explain to our bosses that actually it's smart to never do shows or content because it's just all going to be outdated. It's like, what do you want us to do, man? Like we're just trying to, you know, do no podcasts or articles ever because we're just trying to do the smart thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that they would go for that. Uh, well, I'll let you float it up the chain. <laughs> we have talked Adams, Robinson, Deshaun Watson. Those hey, are, real quick, um,
1: yeah. Ian, like, let's talk just real quick about the Packers again. So we know we've got Adams gone. Um, you know, like you mentioned, there's still a lot of things that are going to happen. It looks really good for Lazard right now, but I think we both agree. Lazard is really a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three. Even if, even if they didn't add anyone, which they're gonna, like I, I wouldn't go over the moon for Alan Lazard. Like we've just been there too many times. Certain guys like, you know, my guess is 20% target share is probably about the cap for Alan, Alan Lazard and his skill set. But most likely, you got the you got the packers sitting there with pick 22, pick 28 in the draft. They're probably taking a receiver in the first round. And if they don't, your your favorite thing will happen in the streets and it will be a riot with girl scout, you know, um <laughs> girls running all over the place. You know, it's going to So anyway, like thinking about the rookie receivers, like if you think you have a good line on which one's going to be there and be available for the Packers and which one they want. You you're probably looking at once it's all said and done and whoever the Packers take, that receiver is going to have a really good chance of catapulting even receivers that may go earlier in the draft as being the number 1 rookie receiver off the board. So I mean, you're Garrett Wilson right now is mocking ahead of uh, Drake London slightly mocking ahead, but he's in the range. Pick 19 right now is where he's going on grinding the mocks. And then you get down into the guys that are going to look – apparently look like they'll be available for the Packers at their pick with Traylon Burks right now, with Chris Olave, with Jamison Williams, like, you know, with him coming off the ACL, and I love him. But I think the Packers might be leaning more towards a player they know for sure can help them right out of the gate. So that's just one – angle to consider like if if you take drake london now and he ends up going in the first you know you're drafting today in best ball and you're getting drake london in round eight nine ten if he goes to the packers like how high do you think drake london jumps chris Olave, Traylon burks like they're going to be fifth sixth round picks like if they go to green bay
0: I think particularly with uh, everyone having seen, you know, what Chase and Jefferson have done, I mean, I I think we need to probably get more used to these rookie receivers Mm -hmm. making a bigger impact early in their career, particularly when we have these situations where it is the high first round draft capital in an offense that badly needs weapons to go pick up the slack, have our PFF big board showing on the screen. Five wide receivers are inside of the top 32 overall. Drake London, PFF's 11th overall player. Garrett Wilson, 12th. Jameson Williams, 16th. Chris Alave, 21st. And Trey Lon Burks, 31st. From me, Dwayne, I think Alave can make a lot of sense there. I've seen that floated out there. He's kind of gotten this. I think, reputation in the draft as being kind of the most pro-ready receiver. I believe our own Mike Renner actually comped Alave to a Calvin Ridley where, okay, maybe you don't have, you know, the same astronomical ceiling as a Traylon Burks, but Alave, you can come in, he can help you stretch the field immediately. He's a great route runner. He doesn't, he's he's not the five-tool receiver. We know he's not, you know, incredible after the catch or anything like that, but he should be, you know, he's going around the spot the Packers are going to be picking, and I do think that, you know, you have less overall questions about his ability to produce from day one. Do you have a fit that you're hoping for?
1: I like all of them. I mean, um, I, I think Olave would be Fair. great. Like, like whenever I did my analysis on the rookie receivers, I've got an article out there if folks want to go look at it. Like, you know, I kind of gave titles to a lot of the guys and Olave, like he got my Mr. Everything. Like he runs all the staple routes well, like the that the NFL loves, that the Packers love. Um, you know, he's shown an ability to separate against press coverage. Like he's, you know, he probably needs more play strength, but a lot of receivers do when they come into the league and, and the rules are so stacked against the DBs Now, I don't even know how much that matters. And I think that goes back to your point earlier of how we should get more used to these receivers coming in and being ready. One, the college game has changed and you get, and the high school game has changed. So these guys are used to playing receiver, like from a way younger age. So they're better when they come into the league. And then you have the compounding factor of the NFL wants points. They want yards. So they're doing everything they can to limit the defenses. I would not want to be a defensive back. Having to play against a player like Chris Olave. I think he's going to have an immediate advantage in the NFL due to all the rule changes that we've seen over the past 10 years. So I'm good with any of them. I think Traylon Burks obviously would get folks the most excited. But I think he would also come with the most question marks because we just don't know, can he consistently win against press man coverage outside? Or do they just find a way to say, well, we don't care. We'll do what Arkansas did. We'll get him in the backfield. We'll put him in the slot. We'll keep him in motion. Those things are all within play. There's no doubt that when you get the ball to Traylon Burks in the open field and let him get going, the the dude's just a massive human being. It's going to be tough to deal with. So I think any one of them. If they whether it's Drake London, whether it's Olave, hey, if Garrett Wilson fell, he would be in the same conversation conversation. I think when you get to pair them with Aaron Rodgers and the opportunity for them to come in and be the number one target on the Packers right away, I think you're going to see good value if you're drafting those players today versus
0: once they're assigned, you know, with the Packers just get ready uh to hear about how smooth chris Olave is every single uh, time a, te- a new fan base talks about him joining the team he is but like we've heard it let's get a different adjective going uh everyone before we move on to the rest of the podcast i want to give a quick shout out to some of the sponsors including our company pff you can get 25 percent off any pff subscription if you use code fantasy what can you get with that subscription all the pffs locked article content or nfl draft Guide, completely unlocked mock draft simulator 2022 free agent rankings reactions that and grades from the entire 2021 season all that and so much more support the pod use promo code fantasy for 25 off any subscription again code fantasy for 25 off any sub and also can i get a round of applause to everyone today i'm excited to announce manscape launched their ultra premium collection believe it or not it's for your not so private parts i'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent this is an all-in-one skin and hair care care for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe literally Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now, trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide to trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF. We got, you know, let's see, Manscaped body wash. We got a 2-in-1 shampoo, conditioner, hydrating body moisturizer, Manscaped deodorant, all that, and so much more. Again, 20% 20 off and free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle thanks to Manscaped. Finally, want to give a shout-out to our friends over at All22 who are unveiling the newest fantasy football game that hundreds of PFF employees have been playing. All22 uses weekly PFF grades as one of its main scoring components and tests your ability to build a full 53-man roster, offensive line included. Ever dreamt of sitting in an NFL front office? If you enjoy a scouting process, you're going to check out All22. Join the waitlist on all-22.com with nothing more than your email. If you join the waitlist before the NFL draft, you'll receive a special promo code for your All22 subscription. Waitlist users will get, even gain access access to premium content like inaugural draft guides and season strategies feature release announcements announcements and more be sure to follow at all 22 underscore pff on twitter all 22 premium fantasy football powered by pff Dwayne, i'm not sure if i was responsible for getting them to change their uh tagline i was shitting on (laughs) there i was wondering that
1: I hated I less fantasy. You, more I think football. you might have been.
0: I wanted more fantasy, more football, uh, but now it's just going to be premium fantasy football powered by PFF. I can work with that. I'm not going You gonna know what they it. say about you, Ian? What?
1: You're kind of a big deal. <laughs>
0: so. You could imagine. <laughs> Not as big as Chris Olave. All right, Dwayne, a couple more situations. We've hit the big dogs already, but the Falcons did go ahead and sign Damian Williams to a one-year deal. This now gives them Damian Williams, Mike Davis, Quadri Allison, and Caleb Huntley in their backfield. That's it. Now... When we have some of these, uh, you know, free agents, your Cordero, Pattersons, your Leonard Fournette, your Melvin Gordon's, the longer they stay free agents, I tend to think the better chance they have of coming back to their original squad. So maybe CPat comes back to Atlanta, you know, once again splits this backfield with either Davis or Williams, maybe even Quadri Allison. There's still plenty of free agency time. There's plenty of time in the draft as well. If, Dude,
1: if you got CPat back to Atlanta now,
0: with is Russell coming? Gage gone
1: with no Calvin Ridley you got Pitts now with Watson like man like dude he is he is way too cheap right now (laughs) like he's gonna sign somewhere and I know the question is can he sign somewhere where schematically they can duplicate what Arthur Smith was able to do with him and I think that's I think that's legit I think that's a legit concern but I think it's probably a little bit like it's a value right now. He's one of the people that I wouldn't, I don't mind taking a swing on as far as ADP goes right now on underdog. He is pick 37 RB 37. I mean, come on. Like as soon as he signs, like he's going to, he'll be inside the top 36 and depending on where he signs, he could climb into the top 24. Right.
0: I think Atlanta is by far the best spot for him. Let's just kind of run through some teams real quick. Like where, where do we think that, CPAC could go elsewhere that would like really afford him the same sort of volume. I think some other teams could use, like if he goes to the 49ers, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan will use him great, but then only it would one be sporadic to go we around. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem, man. There's just not the, like the Texans, okay. But you can the, put, the, I think the Titans
1: could totally use him. They really don't have a great weapon opposite of AJ Titans Brown. Titans is a they good need, one. And they need someone to help Derrick Henry, right? So I could think that would be a great spot. Um, Texans, but we just don't like the Texans, just not the Jaguars, because you already got two, two, uh, dude, the Chiefs would be a great one. Like, Chiefs, just Chiefs screw it. Like, great. just have just man, if you had him in the backfield every play, uh, golly, like, we know we hear people talking about, oh, go get CMC, go get CMC, go sign CPAT for nearly nothing oh, and put him incredible. on the Chiefs. Oh, my God. Like, that would
0: he, he would he ridiculous. would look good in Chiefs colors, too. You know,
1: that would be nuts. Boss, that would be nuts, but, be nuts. <laughs> but then keep going. Um,
0: not really. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm looking. You know, no on the Vikings, no on the Bears. We've already done that. Um Don't want the Lions. I don't think Yeah, I mean the, the Bucks would be division. interesting. Like, you know, we didn't really get the we didn't get the passing down role for Geo, but you got a lot of mouths to feed.
0: You know, the Saints could kind of work. Maybe One, but then you're gonna bump it into Camara. I know, but like go play more wide receiver this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at it that way, I mean, we're thinking of him more of as a hybrid player. Like, if you look at him just as a receiver, I think it definitely opens up possibilities. But... yeah you're to your point there's not a ton of teams where you're just like wow there's all this open you know volume that's available
0: we got more than that kind of thought though Chiefs Titans are right there with the Falcons I think where to your point yeah RB 37 he would be looking like a bargain there with this Falcons backfield it's one of these situations where I don't want to go too far into it like we don't need to rank the Packers wide receivers right now I don't think any of those guys will
1: end up being the guy
0: (laughs) by the time we're done with everything But if you want to talk about someone that is just truly free, like what's Mike Davis going on? It's like RB 87 or something right now. Like, I don't think there's an upside. I think we would have seen them give Davis complete control yeah. of that backfield when CPAC got hurt last year. What happened instead, Quadri Allison kind of came in and continued to make it a split. So maybe I'm just holding on to, uh, you know, the small, small chance of Mike Davis breaking out because he had the good 2020 and was kind enough to come on this podcast once upon a time. Uh, but yeah, probably give you a situation where maybe Mike Davis does get like eight to 10 combined carries and targets per week. And that would, I think surprise people, but the it's probably just not enough of a ceiling, regardless, to really be chasing in fantasy land. Patriots went ahead and signed Ty Montgomery two-year contract, potentially worth as much as four million. Do I think there's two kind of possibilities here? Now we know Brandon Bolden is now with the Raiders. The Patriots did re-sign James White, only 500k guaranteed. We did not see the Patriots use a four running back committee last year. What happened was. weeks one and two, it was James White on passing downs, Ramondre Stevenson, Damon Harris splitting stuff on early downs. Brandon Bolden was a pure special teamer. I believe he only played two offensive snaps while James White was healthy last year. Once James White was out of the picture, Bolden came in and worked as a pass down back. So with Ty Montgomery, I wonder, one, is he competing with James White for that scat back role? Because, again, not that much money is owed to James White. He is, you know, starting to get a little bit long in the tooth. Ty Montgomery is not exactly a spring chicken as well, but – my question is: Is Montgomery competing with James White for that role, or is he just replacing Brandon Bolden? Because I do think, Dwayne, if James White is playing the usual James White role, he's a nice value at the end of drafts. Montgomery does throw some uncertainty into that, though.
1: Yeah, I think he throws a little bit. I'm, I'm gonna uh, the the contract that James White got is the most concerning yeah. part, um, you know. But I think overall, like I'm still going to lean to James White. He's been part of that organization for a long time. They know what he is. Um, so I'm gonna lean that way until we, you know, hear something different really. Mm-hmm. To your point, I think Ty Montgomery could still be helping out with special teams. Nice player, they can move around. I think, you know, if you look at the Patriots, they always love signing these guys that have like a lot of utility, right? And they got so CPAT a few years ago. Yeah, you look at Montgomery, he can play on special teams, he can play running back, he could line up in the slot as a receiver for you. He's just a guy that can do a lot of different things for your team. And that's the type of player that Bill Belichick just seems to, you know, really kind of gravitate to having on his team doesn't always really mean something like a fantasy role. But to your point, I think the best way to think of him is really he's the Brandon Bolden role. Meaning if any of the other guys get hurt, he could st- you could see Montgomery step into a bigger role, but heading into the season, I would really think that it's Damian Harris, to your point and Stevenson splitting the early down work, slight edge to Harris. And then
0: you got James White handling the passing down dude. Bengals went ahead and replaced CJ Uzama, seemingly with Hayden Hurst. Just a one-year deal, though. I didn't see the specific financials. Uh, You know, that's kind of thing with free agency. Sometimes we get them, sometimes we don't. Uh, Drew Sample does remain employed by the Bengals as well. I don't think this is uh, something we need to worry about too much, Duran, because Uzama last year, man, he was healthy the whole season. He played a full-time role, and he was the clear-cut, usually number 5 pass game option in that offense behind the big three receivers and usually a running back as well. Uzama finished as the overall tight end 19, even worse on a per-game basis. Any sort of allure for Hayden Hurst as a late-round pick?
1: Yeah, I think just it's super late round. I mean, he is a former first-round pick. Um, debatable, like should he have been, you know, right. with the Ravens. Um, but I think he could come in and do everything Uzama did. Like, you're just going to run into, like, when to play him. Like, he's better. I like him in a best-ball format better than I do in a in a redraft where I have to choose the weeks that I'm actually going to start. Him. Um, I think that's what's really going to be tough.
0: I think you have him in the right spot. Tight end, 25 behind. You know, we'll see where Austin Hooper winds up. But behind Ricky Seals Jones with the Giants, behind Evan Ingram with the Jaguars, behind Hunter Henry uh, with the Patriots, I. I might put him ahead of CJ Uzama, honestly, after seeing the Tyler Conklin deal uh, with the jets, we just need yeah, to see.
1: I, I need, and you notice like, uh, like I've got two
0: 24s here. I need to update my <laughs> you Very good brother. It, it is March 18th. Uh, after all uh, with Hurst, stuff, we just need to see if he has, cause look, if he splits anything with drew sample, like neither yeah. of those guys are going to be anything so no close candy, fancy fantasy relevant. Cannot do it. Then if he is featured though, like he is someone that at a minimum will be, you know, on the waiver wire, the right, matchup, DFS play, all that. But yeah, I don't think Hayden Hurst is going to factor too much into traditional one tight end leagues. Finally, just some quick hits before we get out of here. Vikings went ahead and restructured Adam Thielen's contract. I guess there were some murmurs that he could uh, be a cut candidate, but nope. He will be back continuing to work as the Vikings number two wide receiver in 2022 and beyond. The Bears addressed their uh, wide receiver room in a major way. They signed Byron Pringle and Equinemius St. Brown to one-year deals. They could be in three wide receiver sets. They also, um, who else do they even have right there, man? It's so bad in Chicago right now. They got Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney is great, but man, it's 2022. You're legally allowed to have more than one great wide receiver. Byron Pringle probably projects as a starter right now. Do we want anything to do with them in fantasy? Absolutely not. 49ers went ahead and signed Ray Ray McLeod. That's like, You know, we were talking earlier about Quidrell Patterson going to 49ers. I wonder if Ray Ray is like the kind of the cheaper version of Patterson that they decided to get. He can offer some goodness in the return game, probably will be their number four wide receiver, you know, backing up Juwan Jennings, even if by some miracle he beats out Jennings for the number three wide receiver job. There's so much Kyle Juszczyk in this run first offense of Trey Lance under center. Do not expect any wide receiver other than Debo or Ayuk to get much going and Finally, the Lions signed tight end, Garrett Griffin, who is a blocker and should not be impacting TJ Hawkinson's status as one of the more well fed tight ends in the league. Any of these ringing bells for you, Dwayne? No, no. <laughs> very, <laughs> no.
1: very fair. No. Jared's making a, a graphic right now for Twitter or for uh, uh, something on Twitter. And he's like, hey, is uh, Devontae Adams, you know, this wide receiver for you? Is all the guys we've just been talking about? Darren Waller, is he still wide receiver for? Or tight end four, or is he five? (laughs) So, no, man, nothing on any of those guys for me
0: okay everyone thank you as always for tuning to pff fantasy football podcast we will be back i think on monday morning breaking down whatever kind of news has happened over the weekend and then looking like wednesday or thursday next week after a lot of these final pieces have fallen Dwayne and i can go back through each and every roster talk through all the signings and basically just also look at what are now like the remaining holes to look at for the draft because once free agency is figured out if we still do have you know a situation like the atlanta backfield or like the green bay wide receiver room that is just completely wide open um you know a lot of people i know like to bet on props with the draft or you're just trying to you know get ahead on your rookie rankings i think you know really figuring out those uh, uh most opportunistic uh, position groups in the league is going to help a lot with that so dwayne anything you want to get off your chest before we get out of here
1: no i think we're good man um you know i was just checking twitter to make sure nothing had broke you know, while we were, we're here. sitting here chatting, like, you know, the, the, any moment now Deshaun Watson thing, you know, continues to, to loom, you know, Ian, we already so. covered it. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> We've covered it both ways. Of course. Now he'll sign like changes mind, It'll be back with the Browns. Um, so no, no, I think we're good for now. Um, we still, again, got quite a few, like the running backs, man, they're still sitting out there. Yeah. Rashad Penny, Leonard Fournette. So we'll have a lot of good stuff, hopefully coming early next week as some of these names continue to sign.
0: Do you think some of those running backs could just last till like
1: August? I think some of them could. I think it's a possibility. Um, you know, I think what happens though is Maybe like you know, some of them, some of them may choose to hold out and wait for injuries and things like that, depending on who you are. Like I could see a four being ballsy enough to do that. I think Rashad Penny probably at some point is like, okay, I'm going to take what I can before the draft happens. Um, you know, cause he's got such a short, you know really resume of being you know healthy and is that last five games was really great but you know how much are people really going to wait that I think a player like him probably doesn't want to wait until after the draft Fournette's done enough like he knows he can hold out and probably get a little bit more money especially with um you know Tampa because like as soon as they get to training camp and Tom Brady's pissed off about <laughs> Deshaun Vaughn like you know they're going to have to go get Leonard Fournette
0: we'll keep an eye on all of that for Dwayne I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.